<laughs> Hopper, I, like I've I've known you a lot of my life. Um, yep. We met, we met uh, well at at Saint Avex and kind of have kept our relationship since, for the most part. And um, yeah, you, you played football. What did you study there? Yeah, so I went to Saint Avex. Um, I didn't declare a major till my third year, which most people did. But I uh, I took English actually. I was like, in my brain, I was like blazing towards law school. It was kind of my plan throughout everything. I mean, I was one of those guys that sort of tried to keep football in perspective. I mean, obviously, the three of us are all ex-athletes, and you have to have that sort of fully buy-in mentality in order to like become what you want to achieve in, in any sport you're in. But uh, I was always kind of in the back pocket knowing my, let's say, like the – ceiling of my talent if that makes any sense and i was yeah, like yeah. i need i'm not going to be able to pursue uh like the cfl i was like at best i'm going to be a fringe player practice squad like best case scenario mm-hmm. if i like go full into this and then by that also means i'm pretty expensive at that point so i was in my back pocket really like trying to knuckle down with my studies after my third year took english was going to go to law school and then after I graduated, I mean, we can get into that, but it kind of took a uh, took a left turn, which I'm all for, and that's how I'm sitting here today. But uh, yeah, like basically in my 20s, I've changed my life multiple times. So um, yeah, just just quickly before Tristan goes, we we had a few, we've had a few ex athletes. Yeah, and you said after your third year, I'm just wondering because we've asked this question to multiple athletes. Was it your third year, kind of when you were just kind of realized like shit, like like school takes precedent over yeah. sport. Well, it's kind of funny because uh, more or less, like I've now been involved for seven years coaching high school. And um, so I got into high level organized sport quite late. Uh, high school, I played, or uh, junior high, I played ball quite a bit. Um, I played for Africville down in the square there. Um, so like that got a taste of like really high level competitive basketball and then that sort of translated to football when i started playing grade 12 but i basically like throughout i mean let's i'll be real on the podcast for my year and first and second year university the whole practice practicing the preaching of like school comes first was not so much like drilled into us it was more of like i say this because i should say it which is fine i get it right but now that i sort of sit in a position of authority when it comes to coaching i try to like not push kids to one school or another, but I try to push them to whatever situation I find that will suit that personality. Like, for example, I'm not going to say to a kid who's like really reliant on his like mother. I'm not going to encourage them to go off to a place like, let's say St. FX, where they're basically going to be like running around without the only authoritarian figure is their football coach or basketball coach. And I know that they're basically setting themselves up to fail because I've seen this now as a coach because honestly, our stick rate, I'm going to say, of our kids that we send at Citadel, who we basically, I would consider us having one of the top level programs in the country. uh, I would say, honestly, it's probably one in 10 make it past their third year. And I equate that more to the situation that these kids are going into that's not right for them. So that's sort of how I approach that. And now going back to your question, in my third year, because in my first and second year, I really had no one to hold me to account other than my roommates and mm. the occasional phone call to the parents being like, how's school going? And you obviously said, great. <laughs> Just you know tell them I'm here. Yeah, of course. So my first and second year, I like 
screwed it by with 65s, just keeping my like keeping my football money going and keeping my uh, like grades intact. But really, I was never going to utilize those to do anything after my school. So until my third year, when I was like, I got to turn this around. And then ever right. since then, I started yeah going volunteering the first year kids because in my first year I almost like yeah failed out of school and that's not the path that a lot of these kids I want them to go down because I come from a pretty like decent background where I have like supportive parents but I realized that's not everybody and having someone there as like a fourth third and fourth year football player that's who these kids listen to so that was sort of what I uh, wanted to take up that mantle a little bit when I was in my later years and I found that throughout my coaching now that's especially important because it's not so much the football position like that kids are going to when they're in these schools. I'm always speaking from a football perspective, but mm-hmm. basketball, it's the same. It's the same thing. If you're not, if it's not a good like life fit, then the football or basketball or soccer, or whatever it may be, is going to eventually fall by the wayside. Cause at okay. the end of the day, we're all athletes in Canada, right? Like we can get into my, my, my stories when I was in, when I played ball in Europe and I lived with seven guys who played division one football and I, spend my entire entire year like chatting with those guys and seeing how their lives progressed through like pop warner and then like a juco down there and then playing like four years starting like a couple of my friends i still talk to right they're playing at asu in front of ninety thousand people like their collegiate athletic experience is so much different and the programs in the united states are so much different in order to support these athletes they're exposed to so much more of the business and the professional side of sport at a younger age that I'm just was always quite aware that we're from Canada. All of us were blessed to play collegiate sport, but we always would have to prepare something as a fallback, so to speak. So I kind of kept that lifestyle. I mean, I say this now and I'm saying this is a sense that it's not necessarily the best thing for everybody because I would also equate that to the fact that maybe that's why I never really achieved athletically what, you laid in bed and dreamt about is because I was always kind of keeping that at arm's reach and not really chasing that dream as much as maybe I should. So I say these things from a position of myself now, but I know that's not the same for everybody, but I do think perspective is important when you're playing football, basketball, any collegiate sport in Canada, because at the end of the day, our exposure to the professional level is so much, it's so much more minimal. Like basically you have one crack at the CFL. You have this very, very low percentage of especially American or Canadian athletes playing football to make the NFL. Like we really had that wonderful story that a doctor from McGill, that lineman who just yeah. won the Super Bowl, Kansas City. Like you Amazing. look at that and it's inspiring. But think about that: you have one starting lineman. There's a handful of those guys out there. Yeah. But uh, you basically can tumble through the ranks of the CFL, and obviously, Will and myself know Enoch like quite well. And watching his story, and he's like, he's the one percent of the one percent. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. I was always quite aware of that and really lucky that my football career kind of allowed me to see Europe and you can get into that a little later. But uh, yeah, that was sort of my whole perspective and going to St. Evex that I was really blessed that I was able to play football and really this whole experience was new to me walking in there as like a true freshman, 18, 6'3", 170, had played one year of football like started three games of that, like was just happy to be there and then exposed to, because I know you're a little, you're a year older than me, Will, but you knew like Kwame, like Koshi, like all those guys. I remember like, I vividly remember in training camp because we had John Bloomfield there and we had these like crazy high intensity 
I uh, called them the county fair and they're basically like fit up drills that were like one-on-one, like super like high heat, 30 degrees, two a day, ending in ish summer weather. I'm sitting there as like this, like skinny 18 year old going up against like Koshi and being like, I, oh my, like, what is going on here? <laughs> so very, very quickly. I mean, I always like the only reason I was even remotely successful in, in football and I'll attribute it is to, is to like Akeem being like taking me under his wing. And I was a very visual learner and just, I was obviously also very, I mean, ego is all a thing at sport, but I was very aware that I was new and I was just asking questions and yeah. all those guys, like we've all played team sport and who's, who you're surrounded with is what you really can attribute success to. So all those guys helped me so much and allowed me to kind of take the mantle up a little bit once they left. And, uh, but uh, yeah, I was just um, always aware that football for me was not what I was going to pursue. Um, which is not the same for everybody, but that's sort of how my life, I guess, has sort of taken these mm. twists and turns and I ended up here now. But uh, yeah, I, I, that's I, sort of Santa Fe. I love the fact how you are so self-aware because how often do you see athletes, well, in my case, basketball, yeah. where they just they just want to go all in and play professional and that that's it. Exactly. You yeah. don't take any time to, to invest in other areas. I've, yeah. I've already had this conversation on, on this show with multiple people where I don't think I worked as hard as I could have yeah. while I was at X because, be, because when I was in high school, it was, I was chasing a dream. I was chasing that, that collegiate level where I want to get to the highest point that I can get to. Once I got there, I said, I didn't, I, I, my perspective changed because now I, I felt like I was at my ceiling. I wasn't going to, I probably could go and pursue pro, but I knew it wasn't going to be as rewarding or, or it, it would have been just for the, the, the experience. But, but it was, it wasn't until I got to university where I started to shift focus and realize that, okay, maybe it's time to set up a career. Maybe it's time to, to explore other interests. And it's, it's just, interesting to hear you because it's, it's clear that you're so self-aware because a lot of guys just like no 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 ball is life ball is life ball is life and 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 they don't set themselves up for what happens if ball isn't life what happens if yeah what happens if you get injured so i'm really i'm really curious in kind of learning more about what you're up to now um and and what got you there like it was like like where are like I just know that you own a, a bar on Barrington or something or like, yeah, what's that? Like, what do you do? Well, I'll get it. Yeah. I'll, 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 yeah. I'll, I'll let you know for sure. Um, one of the things that I was, that I'll definitely would love to throw a shout out to keeping everything in perspective is I think with me personally, it was one of the reasons uh, why that was so important to me was because who I surrounded myself with, especially living at school is I was surrounded by, I lived in a house with two volleyball players, my buddy from high, from like childhood, um, like Catherine and Layla, I remember, you know, them will like, they were always like school first, very like goal oriented, orient, like, um, like they were all over school. They're doing really well. And they, uh, essentially like kept their heads on straight. And then you're surrounded by people who are doing that. Mm -hmm. So very naturally it was like a thing in our house that like school came first, which was super important. Um, but yeah, no, what basically from my story, what ended up happening was I, uh, finished my fourth year at St. FX. Um, a scout from the Thai cats had come around to our practice and given a few of us graduating players, 
like an information package and I uh, ended up chatting on the phone with one of their uh, recruitment scouts for maybe 15, 20 minutes. They ended up kind of like bringing, they were watching some of our workouts essentially at school. And uh, long story short, I, uh, he was, I mean, yeah, you're this 21 year old kid and you're talking to a CFL scout. You can't hope to be like, Oh my God, this is amazing. But that being said, he was very adamant about me going back to my fifth year being like, we need you to develop more. And from that conversation, I'd already graduated at school. And we were also, I could tell that our program was kind of headed towards, say, maybe like a, a rebuilding year. Mm. So I knew coming back from my fifth year that that probably wouldn't reap as much benefit for me personally as I may want it to. Um, so I decided to kind of pass on that dream, that goal, so to speak. Um, and I started to pursue potentially going to law school. And I was getting down, I was studying for my LSAT. Um, and uh, I reached out to a family friend because that's the biggest thing with me personally, that what I can attribute my small, small amount of success in the world of business so far to my, this point in my life is because I'll, whatever I make a decision or want to make a decision, I'll essentially reach out to anyone whose opinion I value that mm -hmm. can give me a very objective piece of advice and uh, long story short, I reached out to a friend of a friend that I knew throughout my, through my family um, who'd been very successful in business. And I said, listen, I have sort of these two uh, career paths in life. And basically, the other thing was essentially I had been offered through a uh, scouting platform that I've talked to a lot of guys about that through this uh, platform. Still more than happy to talk to anyone who's out there wanting to go play football in Europe who listens to this, um, but through Europe players, I had made an account and uh, I also hold a British passport. So long story short, and I'll get into that after is um, I was very, as far as that world goes, I've been offered this contract to go play football in their first division in the GFL um, in Cologne. And I had this option and I had potentially like knocking on wood here, maybe going to law school if I got in. Um, and long story short, yeah, I basically, Approach this guy in conversation with him. In your 20s, build your bag of tools. And that's the one piece of advice I always give to any young entrepreneur or anyone young, younger than myself, especially the kids who I coach now. And that's, again, not for everybody, but the one piece of advice that I like to give is just spend your 20s kind of learning, failing, growing. Mm. And then when you're 30, when you're, whenever you decide to start your career, maybe it's at 25, but then you can move forward and you'll have all these life experiences built and have less than a amount of regrets than you might if you just put your nose down and plow through school and then you're 35, having already worked 10 years in a career, been in school the entire, the entire time before that. Yeah. But anyway, this gentleman named Dwayne basically sat me down and said, listen, I'm a CEO of a company. I'm going to sit you and another guy at the end of my table and I'm going to hire one of you. You basically both went to the same school. Age is not important. You're both young adults. Let's just say that around the same age. One guy... You guys have the exact same marks, both graduate from the same school. I'm hiring you for the same position. One guy, primary to junior high, junior high to high school, 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 high school, university, undergraduate to graduate. He's sitting at the end of my table. Say graduated first in his class. Mm -hmm. And then you're sitting at the end of my table. You went to the exact same school. Maybe you didn't graduate first in your class. But in your three years, you went and played professional football. You're a collegiate athlete. You traveled the world. You've done more in your life. You've worked more jobs. You've gained some perspective. And he said, honestly, 
who do you think I'm going to hire? And that really resonated that really resonated with me because he was like, at the end of the day, I'm not looking for someone who can basically finish a task and hand it back to me done. I want people who have perspective, world perspective, and understand that maybe when I hand you a task, I'd like you to hand it back to me and said, we could do it this way. Because, yeah. Mm. Different thinking, as opposed to students and graduates who basically are just regurgitating the information that they've been taught by the professors. So mm. that being said, I decided to, on my path north or south north or whatever you want to say, I decided to take the door on my left and go play football. And from that, I arrived, yeah, when I was 22, I accepted a contract to go play in Cologne, Germany uh, as a wide receiver there and packed my bags and moved to Cologne. How was Got that? there and met. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty, it was really interesting, honestly. I, uh, yeah, like you, I think back now, I'm only 29 now, but I think back to when I'm 22 and I was like, I was a child, like right. going to pack my bags over there and basically, yeah, in front of, as I still say to this day, the best fans in the AUS, Atlanta, Canada, anywhere, St. of X has the best community right. support for all of its collegiate programs. But like yeah. I said, you go, I'm used to, I'm used to playing collegiate football in front of what, let's say 5,000 fans a game. Yeah. And I'll immediately living in a house and hanging out with these guys. So three of them were from ASU and uh, a couple of them had NFL tryouts and sort of just toppled down the ranks and start three year starting running back called Mike Davis from the university of Louisiana, a four year starting Aussie lineman from the university of Hawaii. Uh, for a bit, we had quarterback at Cal named Zach Maynard. Um, it was just pretty, it was a pretty intense experience. And, uh, these guys were awesome. And then you just basically live with these guys and play ball in Germany that the, uh, you basically had, they had a few import rules. They called it. I, myself, as well as the Australian guy, we didn't classify as imports so we could be on the field because we had a British passport, but the majority of the team was made up from German. So that experience was great. It was a, it was a great year. And I was lucky that a lot of my friends sort of came through, Germany and Europe and I got to travel and see them and uh yeah meet these guys and just so you get a taste of what the American athletic experience is like and it's incredible right what's mm -hmm. the closest thing what, that I can equate it to especially with football you know what was um the difference between living with your roommates at X and living with brand new people that you've never known um yeah and, absolutely we we basically got there and these guys have that's that's the crazy thing that like i can't the only way that i can equate it to anything in canada is like is the hockey culture where like especially in nova scotia and atlanta canada like some of these guys who've played hockey throughout their entire young adult life and like through university through high school through the pros and then all of a sudden they're playing this, like I call it semi-professional because it's not like a huge program, but you do, you are getting paid. You are getting paid to play that sport. Um, is these guys, so I live with, they basically, they, all they've done their entire life, all they know, all they talk about, all they want to talk about is football. That's how they completely identify. They do have hobbies, obviously, but that's just their entire life because sure. the level of intensity that they've played this sport at is just, it's the only thing to compare it to is hockey because collegiate football in Canada does not compare mm -hmm. like these guys have been training and they're not saying training i mean like training like going to the gym with your buddies and like screwing around on bench like these guys have been doing like lineman drills taught by like 
ex-collegiate athletes themselves, like Division One guys who are teaching mini camps for ten-year-olds since the time they're children. Their techniques, one like, is absolutely like impeccable. And a lot of these guys, like, they barely even trained while they're in Germany. They kind of saw it as a bit of a vacation. But their technique, because the way that they've basically been taught their entire yeah. lives was so world class that these guys like were dominating these Germans who were in peak physical shape just because of the way that they played that sport all their life. Like sure. a couple of guys like shout them out there, like Gerald Munns, like James Brooks, like uh, Bo Moose, like these guys who played at ASU, like Bo's tackled Andrew Luck, like he sacked Matt Barkley. Like these guys have played in these games that are in front of like on national television as starters in front of 90,000 fans playing mm-hmm. against some of the NFL's best, right? So just hearing them talk about that and like their nonchalant ways was pretty was pretty interesting. But uh, that whole experience was great. But it always I was always very aware because uh, obviously like every time you travel, like the imports would hang out with the other imports whenever we were in a different city, and you kind of see a lot of these guys that are really treating this whole experience as a bit of with an escapist mentality. Like they're kind of whatever backgrounds they came from, they're really kind of chasing this like dream around these country to country signing contracts every different year and some of these guys like you know like messing around with different women and one in hungary and then one in germany and then all of a sudden a couple of these guys have a couple of kids in different countries and they're 30 35 still signing these one-year contracts and they uh, move to coaching going down. i just saw yeah i just saw that and i was like my, i was really i'm really appreciative of that experience it was really wonderful like the friendships i have with those guys were incredible and those germans in our team were some of the nicest human beings i've ever met but i was very aware of that experience was like i can't go down this yeah. rabbit hole too much and when i got back um because the season went from some basically summer to fall it ended basically like when our seasons would start in university in canada and i uh, came back and was coaching high school football i was very aware also too like at this point now i'd played seven years essentially like high pretty intensive high like football and uh, my body was starting to break down a little bit again going back to my aware of my skill ceiling let's say i was uh, i'm a skill position player right i play wide receiver as soon as i lose a step like i'm replaceable sure. like even even in that league there's always a division one guy coming up who basically yeah has tumbled like i was i had played i played against a couple guys in germany gone up against them actually um, that like one of them literally was on the Broncos practice squad two weeks earlier because a lot of these guys don't have any other option because how the CFL essentially works is they have their 50 50 rule where they basically have to have 50 percent of Canadian players on their roster. So if these guys tumble out of the NFL for whatever reason, whether that be like like uh, not showing up in their pro day to failing drug tests to doing whatever. Yeah. And sometimes their only option if they play D lineman, for example, a lot of D linemen or even O linemen in the CFL, they only take Canadian players. So their only option is essentially to try to crack a roster in the GFL. So they're given money right away as soon as they kind of tumble out of those two leagues. And yeah, they end up across the world essentially playing ball. So that's how fast that can happen and how easily it can become this uh, cycle of signing contracts and living over there. And again, I was always quite aware of that. So I came back to Canada, coached my first year at Citadel was in between contracts I had been because I mean ironically I think I reached my athletic prime I'm going to say when it came to football while I was over there like I had a really good season I had a really good season we played 16 games so coming from playing eight games in Canada was so much different four down two obviously American rules and 
yeah, like I think I had over like 1200 yards. I had like double the touchdowns. Like I was, I did, I did quite well. So I had numerous offers to come back and play even at much better teams than I played on like the previous year. Um, and I, I, long story short, I walked into a place called the, don't let them know us, but obviously, I mean, it doesn't matter now, but lied about my experience. Cause I was like, I'm gonna get a job on board. I'm only coaching high school and living at home, started bartending there and, you, did you start loving it? You said the first Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's my, that was my first job. They basically, I remember vividly in my interview, I worked at Piper's. We all know very well, <laughs> Andy Ganesh. And the guy, the manager at the time, shout out Steve Arsenault, was like, yeah, so have you worked in a bar before? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, of course. And he was like, okay, well, we'll interview you. And he sat me down and interviewed me. And I remember him, I remember vividly, and that's sort of the irony to where I am at this point. He asked me what Curvassier was. And I was like, uh, I, I had no idea. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. And he was like, I thought you worked at a bar. And I was like, yeah, you know, it's like, and like the reality of me working at Piper's was I took the ticker at the door. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just basically like rum and coke shots. Like, you know, like I just know the bar vibe, which I, even that was a like was an exaggeration. And I, uh, um, the long story short, oh, one thing I will say, shout out to, as we all know, Tyler Upshaw. Tyler and I lived in St. John's, Newfoundland for like two months doing this random hotel building job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so one of the reasons why I, can, I got this job at Lafrasca, during my training shift, I remember like our, our, which I've never seen to this day, by the way. Stephanie Bertozzi sat sat right in front of me and made her and made me make the entire cocktail list, top to bottom, mm. on my first training shift, having never made a cocktail before, mm. but I at least knew my way around a little bit because all Tyler and myself did during these like our down time the ones was watch Bar Rescue on Spike at the time, <laughs> like brand new show as we know now. So I like watch these guys, which the irony is like, even like the pro bartenders, like they don't know what they're doing, which is right. funny. It's just all television. But I was like, okay, like I know what a Jager is. Like, I know what like mixing tins are, like all these things. I like a Hawthorne strainer or julep. I was like, I've seen these before. So I like bumbled my way around that. And I equated 100% to that reality television show. And I uh, got the job and then was really kind of, progressed quite quickly i mean i'd always been like a goal-oriented person so like you know what i mean start playing football you want to start in football then you want to make university then you want to go play some some well, level of pro i'm the food chain exactly right that's the whole point yeah and then so then i get I mean, yeah i became quite good at, at bartending i guess i equated a lot to my current business partner i became good friends with adam mcleod who i own highman with and um yeah he helped me with the bartending knowledge and I think within like four or five months of me starting Lafrasca, I won a local co cocktail competition called Made with Love here. Long story short, I ended up turning down those contracts to go play ball again overseas. And then I started working at Lafrasca. I worked there for a year. And then we were kind of operating in a bit of a lull um, the following year. And then I took one more contract to go play in Rome in Italy for four months, I think, or three months it ended up being basically as a vacation because it was the winter time here in Halifax. Now they offered me to come basically those leagues over there operate in the same sense as Premier League. So I don't know if your viewers watch footy, but I know you would know all about it, you know, over there in London. But uh, yeah, so basically you can get relegated in the sense that you can drop a division if you have a poor year. So what a lot of these teams will do if they're kind of like 
their quarterback gets injured, their imports get injured, like last minute, they'll basically pay a premium to bring in an import for like four weeks to try to save their season. So I ironically was one of those guys. So I jumped overseas for and lived in Rome for, as I just saw a vacation and played one year in the Italian football league, which was a very funny experience. Um, like professionalism out the window. Like it was really funny. The Italians were just like there to have fun, but either way, that was great. And then, yeah, I came back and long story short, just continued to kind of climb the food chain in the bartending world. And were you still quick, for your LSATs at this point? Oh yeah, that's the thing. At that point, I had basically been like, "I'm gonna ride this bartender thing out for a yeah. while." Kind of shut the door. Didn't close it all the way, but yeah, shut it a little bit over being going to law school. It was kind of, but it was on the back burner a little bit. And then, uh, long story short, yeah, became mildly good at bartending. And then uh, after that, yeah. hum- humble. This guy's very humble. <laughs> Um, from that, yeah, I mean, long story short, Adam and myself just stood behind that bar, having traveled around because through bartending, you get to travel a bit too. And I went to a lot of small cocktail bars and Adam and myself kind of looked out at the scene in Lafrasca and kind of said, why don't we do this? Mm. Like we go to all these places overseas and not overseas, but yeah, well, I mean in London, but mostly around, around in Canada, Toronto, Montreal, New York, Chicago, and we were like, Halifax doesn't have one of these that we kind of want to call home. At this point, there had been Field Guide, which is sort of our sister restaurant. with We share sort of an ownership with Dan and Kaylee over there. But uh, that was basically it for as far as like really high quality craft cocktails. And so from that, the talks of Highwayman kind of came about. And then we involved Dan and Kaylee at the food and really uh, went all in with Highwayman. And ever since then, I haven't looked back. Did, 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 I, can't, I can't really see you. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, there we go. Um, okay, yeah. Um, I, Tristan, before you ask this question, I just wanted to ask, just in case anybody's listening, want to know, on average, you don't have to say what you were paid. Um, what's like a average salary for like a import or like a three, four month contract for for like a Canadian and going to Rome or going to Germany? Like, what are players? I don't mind. Yeah, no, that's. I think that's the important question because I think that's. I'll I'll tell you how the entire thing broke down because I think it's really important that. Again, it all goes back to when I'm literally talking to kids who are in grade 10 in high school to have some perspective about the reality of the reality of the financial decisions that they make when they go all in and pursuing an athletic dream. But um, over there, I think we got paid. What was it? I think it was 12. Everything is paid for. You have um, food per diem a day. Like I literally had an espresso machine in my apartment and literally had an espresso delivered to me once a week so there's things you can negotiate um i lived like downtown cologne in a really beautiful apartment that i would if i could guesstimate would be like over a thousand euros a month in rent for sure mm. uh we had a car we had and then and then on top of that we got i think it was 1400 euros spending money um this was in 2012 so basically yeah, you got handed that at the beginning of every month everything's paid for so that being said you basically have enough money to travel anywhere you want in Europe. You have enough money to save if you want. Being paid to be on vacation and play football. So that's great. Mm-hmm. The financial reality of if you do the, the math yourself, not looking at a gigantic sum of money when it all comes yeah. down to it. Yeah. So that's the thing. It's important to keep in perspective to a lot of these kids that if they, and, and we all know like CFL is the same way. I think it's like the average salary of a practice roster player and also the, reality not even financial reality being a practice roster player is you are the most expensive person on that team 
You were yeah. there literally to just be a body for your starting 52 to basically like to give them a look throughout practice, right? Yeah. So, and I think that's like the average salary is something like 40,000. And then all of these posted salaries, even in the NFL, when you see these, it's really funny. I, I, the irony was I was listening to Quentin Portis talk this morning about how he signed his first contract in the NFL at 1.3 million and then got the check and it was for 850,000. And then from that, had to pay his agent 2%. And on top of that, all of the dinners, all of the limos that he took to go to the draft. And he said from that $1.3 million, he's like, I think I was, you think he said he was left with like $350,000. Wow. And so all of us as young adults, right, we read these headlines. Yeah. And we kind of assume that that financial reality is truth. But there's a lot of kind of uh, hidden meaning behind that or hidden expenses that a lot of guys don't see that I think is really important to open the eyes up to a lot of these guys who lay lay in their houses, right? Or lay in their beds dreaming of playing football. And it's really important, again, from a coaching perspective to not like, like squash any of those dreams to really nurture them. But at the same time, I think from a position of coaching, right? Like you can't just be an athletic coach. You have to like be a bit of a life coach as, as well. Yeah, because develop. as two basketball players and one football player can attest to, right? Like, we all come from different backgrounds, but the one, the great thing about, especially football, soccer, and basketball is that you're this melting pot of personalities and financial backgrounds that you all work together as a team that none of that matters. Once that, and so that as some of these guys to get some financial advice, some life advice from someone like myself, mm-hmm. who isn't just pushing them towards playing football, but being like, for example, like I had this two years ago, like I won't, I won't say his name, but he's one of the better physically gifted athletes I've ever coached. That is like progression through grade 10 to grade 12. Um, um, just all that time he's in grade 12. He could have played anywhere he wanted. And like, I'm an ex X grad and I'm talking to ex X grads. Sandivex wanted him really badly, but I knew this guy. I knew kind of where he came from and I very much pushed him to go to St. Mary's. Because I was like, listen, you need to be around your family. Mm. You need to be kind of kept, like, not in check, but, like, kept mm-hmm. around, like, a supportive unit that's really going to see you through university. Yeah. And I don't want to see you, because I've done this before and I've seen it before, I don't want to see you dropping out of St. FX, of Mount A, of Acadia, after one year. Sure. And then all of a sudden, your life, because you're betting on, because all of these guys are in these programs because they are getting scholarships. I don't want to see them jeopardizing their scholarships and then bouncing through the system that happens to a lot of collegiate athletes. So I just think perspective is really what is a big thing that's lacking in the world of sport, especially for all of us that I think is important to give these kids coming up. Um, Because then it allows you to kind of, you're not, you're not wasting any years of your youth kind of like bouncing around doing something that's sort of a means to an end. Where, where, where did you learn your perspective? Like where the importance of perspective? Was it just traveling or is it, is it deeper it just, than that? Your family? Yeah. I think it's more my family that I, we can all kind of like, uh, like mom and dad divorced, like mom predominantly raised me. My dad's great too, but like we can all attest to these super women in our lives. But my mom was always been like the best cheerleader I've ever had as well as like best support figure. And she, I was definitely raised that way, but I always equate this to like, it was just the people that I surrounded myself with. Like, I'm really lucky like that right now I have a business partner who 
like Adam's skill set as far as like pout and things like that, or like off the charts and everything that I can do to kind of play off that. Like he's one of the biggest reasons for this place's success and my success on a personal level as well. Like back when I first started getting into bartending, but like my roommates in university, like I said, like just having those positive influences in your life, even though you're not talking about it, but like, for example, me taking a class being competitive, we all are like taking a class with my like smart as a whip cracker Jack, like, roommate Catherine ryan and her like getting better grades than me you know what i mean it takes yeah. that like competitive reality that you want to keep pursuing so and the same I, thing like all of my students but i i think it's important though like the people that you surround yourself with can't just bullshit you you need these positive That's, influence yeah. that are going to give it to you straight that comes back to what he said about Finding somebody that's going to give them an objective opinion and not be a mm. yes man or yes woman. And yeah, say, and that's yeah. I love you. I'll like whatever you want to do. I'll support you type thing. Or you're going to be Definitely. successful no matter what. Exactly, yeah. because then that that just leads you down a like a never ending road, and you're just starting to pound that pound that wall without being yeah. able to see the reality of things. I'm also, I think it's also really important to note, and I want, if any viewers are listening to this and or do listen to it, that I'm just like not spouting rhetoric here, that I want to really like drive from, and I'm well aware that this is just my opinion and not, sure. and circumstantially, everyone is different. And some people, like, I have a lot of friends in the acting world, and I think that it's honestly, in order to achieve, if that's your dream, your dream is to become a professional athlete, and you don't, and you're here to listen to me sitting back here saying, perspective is important then like pursue that dream mm. like i think that it's really important to achieve something that is so unattainable like right. for example i just said acting but like being an actor being an actress being a professional athlete like you're chasing a dream that's like again like the one percent of the one percent and if that's what you want to go for then go for it but you really have to have this bit of i'm gonna use the word term like positive delusion because you have to be like that's all that's that's all that's the end goal for me. And I think that's important that if anyone listens to this and is listening as currently, currently an athlete, currently someone is pursuing something like acting, like they really just like dive into it if that's what you really want to do. And I just want people to not like, that's where I'm coming from now. Someone who's doing sport to the world of business. I personally can equate my success to having some perspective and not kind of dragging out my athletic career longer but for some people that is the option i just want to be put it out there that sure. i would support anyone in their opinion of doing that but it's just important that i think for some people who are kind of sitting at home staring at the mirror because that's the one thing that won't bullshit you and myself i did that and i was like i'm not good enough to play in the cfl like i had that tough realization with myself and from that allowed me to kind of get that perspective but if there's some guys who stare himself in the mirror and be like, I can absolutely play in the CFL. I can play in the NBA. I can play in any professional league, whether that be hockey, soccer, anything. Then it is important to chase that. And I just want to put that out there to make sure that everyone listens to that as well. If you, if you decide to chase something that seems unattainable, you're still going to learn so many uh, exactly. tools in, in the first, right? Skills, lessons, everything. And but lesson I, like, I yeah. put so well. Um, absolutely yeah sorry continue no no go, if you were going to finish touch on that go touch it on was that. just sort of building on that that like you can hear these you can google any motivational thing on the internet and every time you'll hear like jordan's quote about learning from his failures way more than his wins and that's like the absolute truth not to mm. keep piling on to things like that but like i'm coming now from a perspective not an athlete but like i started a business 
as an English major. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, and my partner himself, like both of us, or I would say like, also I started a business where I controlled personally a very large and also profitable aspect of that business. So therefore, like when people ask me, were you nervous about starting a business? Especially I opened high man at 26. Like yeah, I'm that's... still like, I look back at the, I literally, we just turned, we're going to turn four. Our soft opening was yesterday actually. So four years now I look, look back for when we opened. I was like, I look like a child, right? I probably still look like a child, but you know what I mean? It's like just coming from that perspective, like I've learned so much. And I, now when people, I mean, I've had lots of conversations with like parents whose kids I've coached now, and I get this platform to stand behind a bar as well as some like, social clout let's say as a business owner um where people will actually listen to what i have to say and it's i always equate like this business to like taking off an airplane taking off that hasn't been completed and it's in the air and you're constantly trying to like fix something and that's essentially what opening a business is and that's where that like that risk factor comes into it but for me personally again like i said the risk element to it was i essentially was controlling a large portion of it and also, too, I do have confidence in myself that I knew it wouldn't fail. Um, mm-hmm. But that being said, going back to your point, we've made <clears> so <throat> many mistakes in this space that I'm currently sitting in. And sure. that's what you learn from. Because mm-hmm. if things go well, then you're just going to basically just take it for granted. So like, and you're going to have moments where you need to pour, like, I'm really blessed that High Man's, like, doing really well. And we have a really wonderful community, especially during right now, that supports us. But, like, there's been multiple times where, and I know any business owner sitting here that would hear this and understand it's like out of myself, I poured like personal money to like pay payroll because like we had a slow month and we've mismanaged labor, mismanaged ordering. And mm. you have a staff that rely on you. It's like, so you can even make it as simplistic as being a parent, being a dog owner, owning staff, but like, it's no longer, you don't come first ever. Right. And like your staff come first. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like your kids come first, like all those things. Like you have this responsibility to another life form or other yeah. people in this business that that's sort of the, the harsh reality of the decisions you make. And you learn from your mistakes way more. And that's what's really important to be afraid to fail. No, be like not being afraid to fail because that's, again, mm-hmm. what you're going to learn. Because so many times, like when we opened up here and we were super busy and all this money was rolling in, we were like, great. But we were never like thinking with the mindset, okay, what about the slow months? What about the when the money slows down? Because again, I opened up a business not knowing about business, that's, but also that's, too not being afraid to fail, right? So yeah, that's the thing. You must have just learned as you went. Like, 100%. did you have any knowledge of how business ran, or like ordering or yeah. managing payroll? Like that to me is so foreign because I, I have no experience in it. Yeah, <clears> how we, was were, we were really yeah. You. We were really lucky that we involved, um, especially from the food perspective, um, Dan and Kaylee who owned Field Guide. Um, and created a kind of a sister, uh, like sibling uh, relationship between the two restaurants. So from a lot of those things, we were able to like basically how Field Guy was a pre-established business. Dan coming and doing the food. A lot of those like rough edges were smoothed over by the assistance of those two. But it's still like I still we've still basically like I said, that's why I make the airplane analogy all the time, because that's genuinely how I feel. Right. Like you have this up and running business. And then all the times, or even you can eat like even a bow that springs a leak, you constantly have to plug these. And then eventually the more like the nuance you get when it comes to running a business, you can see these coming. Mm -hmm. This is really funny. Like Will's been been involved 
in a managerial aspect of a restaurant that one of my regulars is wonderful is Brandon who owns Salty's and McKelvey's. But yeah, no, he's, he's one of my like absolute day one regulars and I love him and really appreciate him as a customer. But like he's gone through that business for so long that he can see things Mm. coming from a mile away and prepare himself for it. And that's through, again, you sit him down over like a glass of wine, he'll tell you about the tough times and, that's what you learn from as a business owner. And that's what you have to deal with when you decide to open a business, but you can equate that to literally anything in life. And that's what I think it's really important to right? Like, especially when it comes to sport, it's just like understanding that, like not packing it in. If you don't make, like, I remember when I was like on the fringe of like, I, like my, one of my close friends, and I know, you know, Jesse really well, Will. like after three yeah. years, he, he quit football. And because after you know three, the three year mark is your kind of make or break mark in football. Like your first year, you should don't dress. Mm-hmm. Second year, you kind of maybe you're on the cusp. In your third year, you should be either starting or dressing consistently, special teams player. But like he just really never got that, and I really respect him because like his entire time, he put in three years and really got nothing out of football other than like the camaraderie that came with playing a collegiate sport. And that's mm-hmm. what's really important to kind of see to be very goal oriented and, and like push yourself to achieve that for the same time. Yeah. Like really not, I mean, eventually obviously he did, did get football up, but for years and years, like on that Friday when the dress roster came out on that wall at 3 PM after practice, his name wasn't there and he just didn't pack it in. You know what I mean? He kept going, going for it. And, uh, but I mean, that's what essentially, yeah, exactly. Right. Like that's, I mean, I'm literally sitting here as a business owner during COVID-19 and all of I'm shut down during the day and all of the other businesses are. And the financial reality for a lot of these places are that they're never going to open their doors again. And that makes me personally really sad. Um, but like I said, it's one of those things that like you got to keep as a community, keep going. And mm. That's sort of what football and those failures are like, because, again, you, that's what makes you stronger. Definitely. Uh, definitely helps you through tough times as an owner. To, to, totally. You know what I mean? Um, what are what are some of the toughest you know, if you could, if you could rank, say, the three toughest um, mistakes or challenges that you faced when you like from opening your your bar, essentially, yeah. like I, I don't know, it could be anything, it could be a pipe busting mid service. Yeah, because a lot of people that that don't know the restaurant industry um, don't. I think they there's this misconception that everything runs so perfectly every every shift. <laughs> like, I mean, I've I've worked in a, in a restaurant where just what I said, a pipe just burst in the middle of the yeah. afternoon at four o'clock on a sunny day. So I'm just give, give the listeners a, a, an idea. What is it? What were some difficult challenges for? Yeah. Man. The thing I will say that that makes me laugh as, as one like guy who's worked in restaurants for forever as another guy who's worked in restaurants forever is like the misconception that you just say, yeah, like it runs so smoothly and like, that's one that if people are perceiving that as you walk in, that's what you want, obviously. But the biggest thing is like the trials that restaurants owners especially go through. Like I remember like when we first, it was like two years in, we got like a review one time of someone complaining about the prices of our everything. Yeah. And he even wrote in the, in the, in the review being like, I bet the owners are just lining their pockets with money. And I think like, honestly, like that a month previous to that, like we didn't even get paid like because we just didn't have enough money. So it was just like, this like expectation of a place like this running so smoothly, like, that's not always the reality. But the one thing I will say that like the reason why high man is the way it is, the reason why it's even um, remotely successful in Halifax is because of our staff. Like I do very little in the space now, like 
this place is run by this like wonderful team we have. And from day one, we were really blessed that we had a really engaged, uh, really motivated and wonderful staff. And like both like front of house, back of house, like really worked as this like group dynamic that made this place run and every single let's say like exposed mistake that us as owners might have was always band-aided by our like amazing staff. And that's the only, the number one thing that I would equate to having a successful business. I also well aware that I only employ like 12 to 14 staff at some times been salties, for example, think about how many people you have, you'd have to hire that. Like not all of them are going to be wonderful, but for me personally in this space, it's, that's the only reason why I manage the way it is. It's our staff that we've hired and they continue to like doing a wonderful job. And, uh, but going back to your question, the number one, the hardest thing is essentially is, is just juggling inventory, juggling when to spend, mm-hmm. um, as far as mistakes goes, the hardest thing by a mile and a half is this COVID-19 crisis right now. Crazy. Like we're, our restaurants closed and I have no idea how long it'll be closed for. Could be three months. It could be a year. I have no idea. But at the same time, like I've been in here the last three days in a row doing takeout solo and making some bread every day. And I, I want to solo that. because yeah, I just, I mean, it's why I took the opportunity as soon as we closed our doors to get one of our, uh, one of our chefs to teach me how to make sourdough. And then from that, I just have learned to make that. And we've been just a way to basically generate revenue for the restaurant, especially just now my business partner's in kind of quarantine, but he's out next week. So it's just sort of we'll have to we'll hit the ground running when it comes to that and, and just start trying to generate some revenue for this restaurant because it's great. Like, I'm not going to complain about the fact that the government is allowing restaurants to borrow large sums of money to cover their rent. Yeah. But at the end of the day, again, I'm sitting here saying as a 29 year old, if I have to take out worst case scenario, let's say a forty thousand dollar loan to cover my rent, cover my expenses that's not the end of the world for me because my business is very green. It's very new, but I'm, that's like, I'm like, it's like the Brendan's of the world, the older business owners that have been in this grind for decades and that's their only option. And that's this really unfortunate reality that no, like rent relief has come through. It's just basically putting the onus on the business owner to basically negotiate this with their landlords. Their landlords get to come off basically scot-free and just collect rents that now, like the business owners are going to have to take up upon themselves and essentially accrue more debt. They're going to pay interest on those loans. I know they get a year for free, but restaurants operate on such a razor thin margin that you can't just, I mean, most restaurants, like they can't just pay that back. Like you get, you get some $10,000 relief. You pay it back in two years. If you borrow 40 grand is what I've been reading, but that's like a handful of places can do that, but you're only generating enough revenue to kind of squeak by in a two to 4% profit margin that you're not going to be able to do that. It reads it reads really well as a headline, but the yeah. financial reality for restaurants is that that's not the number one, like that's not the number one help for them. The number one help for them would be basically commercial rent relief. And by the relief, I mean saying all rent prices are slashed by half would be a huge help, but that right now hasn't happened. So mm-hmm. um, I'm about to, it's what now, April 5th, I'm about to enter an entire month of a closed business that I'm going to have to figure out a way to generate my rent essentially by my like by myself or with a handful of staff doing takeout. And that's just you know that's when you're asking the toughest thing to face. And I'm sitting here as what one of hundreds of business owners in Halifax who are currently yeah. going through the same plight. So 
we um we have the availability to do takeout which is great but yeah there's lots of restaurants out there that don't that don't have if a menu that it change everything order takeout from highway mail <laughs> yeah, straight up i make good i make good bread so that's what they can order that's right um yeah that's about it but yeah that's that's what's going through yeah i was going to ask you, you you talked about reviews and and tristan and i talked about this because um you know i i have an instagram page a fitness page and you know, I have a lot of crazy stuff written on yeah. some of my videos. Um, a lot of negative, yeah. a lot of negative comments, just, you know, and I'm just wondering, how do you deal with that? Because I, in the restaurant industry, there's there's sites specifically for reviews so people can decipher which, which restaurant to go to when traveling. And you and, yeah. you and I both know. Uh, and Tristan knows because I mean he's one guy that read me a, a review from last summer that was just ridiculous. Yeah. But, um, just just people can write anything. So explain like how do you deal with that? Because you, you talked about that one time talking about lining your pockets, but like I'm sure that's not the, the only. The one thing that was read to me, the one thing, and I know I'm wearing AirPods, but I'm gonna get really close. Don't read reviews. Interesting. <laughs> Positive or negative? That's my. That's. I'm, I'm different than even my business partners than like, like my girlfriend, like she reads reviews. She's a trip advisor, human being. And that's, I'm, I'm aware that those people exist in the world, but it's just one of those things that like, as long as you have people coming in the door, as long as people are to your face are telling you that they had a good time, sure. you just can't be concerned about what people on the internet are going to say is because we are all, it's 2020. We all live in our phones. We all have this virtual world, these keyboard warriors, all these human beings, and especially people. No, but listen, like these people, when you, like you guys, like you're starting this podcast, yeah. you're putting yourselves out there. Yeah. You've watched media, you've watched podcasts before, you've watched mediums, you're sticking your neck out. And there's just always going to be people who, who are just going to basically like hate on what you're doing because of, that's who their personalities are. Like, like jealousy is the root of all evil. And it's one of those things like it's a, it's, it's a thing that you're going to deal with as you're any creative human being, when you put a piece of yourself out for the, the public to view and to judge, mm-hmm. you're going to, you're going to get negative reviews no matter what. Of course. Like, I mean, you can, you can say the best thing in the world. Like for example, like you could go to the Super Bowl and have the best time ever. And you're going to like see some guy reviewing hard rock stadiums, hot dog prices and giving them a one-star review on that stadium experience it's just like those people exist in the world and you just have to accept that if you're again going to take that step out into the public persona um or the, the public scene and you just i i personally just don't read either some get read to me because it's a it's a funny experience but of course it's one of those things that like i just can't lay awake or leave this restaurant and worry about what's going on being said about it in the virtual world Maybe mm-hmm. my perception, again, I don't want to come all, come across as too like I'm on my soapbox preaching, but maybe, again, my perception is a little skewed because we've been really blessed and lucky that we've had a lot of like national recognition and like a lot of national praise. So maybe like I can just sit here and say, and, and I don't worry about that because maybe the majority of reviews are good, yeah. but I just try, unless it's like constructive criticism, which you have a hundred reviews, like maybe one R mm-hmm. and then those people, if you take the time to email us or about anything, like if this person's sitting being like, I have something to say about like, you guys are starting this podcast. I guarantee you, maybe you're going to get a response from something I've said today. 
you're yeah. going to have people on there that say something that's socially offside. Maybe one of you will say it. Mm-hmm. But if you have someone that takes the time to email you and say that I'm voicing my concern about something I saw, something I said, in my case, something I ate, something I drank, then I'll deal with that, of course, right? Like yeah. I'm not in the... I'm not in the, like the mood of the business vein to like stiff arm people who have something to say about my, my business, but people who basically voice their concerns and their like complaints about the space without addressing it's the same concept as someone saying something to your face and then like going around the corner and saying something to your to, to their friends about you, right? That's my whole opinion about it, and that's why I try like I think honestly I've Googled Highwayman. That's a great analogy. Like actually. once once a year maybe since like we've opened and it's been like i forget the postal code it's right, probably right, more right. than that but like i when just try not to and, and i just i just really that's like a that's a part of the world of opening a business or even starting a podcast or or being an actor and being in a play that i find that that's something for your friends to do because they're proud of you and they want you to be to get this praise because they're proud of what you've done they're yeah. like your parents and that's but to, that's to me that stuff that the people that are around you socially and, and your like intimate friends circle to because they get pride of their friend doing well. But you to keep perspective and keep motivating to like become better and better. Mm-hmm. I think that you being hampered mentally by negative comments about what you're doing and allowing those negative comments to mold what you're doing, like that's just that's a really that's gonna really like handcuff you. And like clip your wings as you're trying to do this thing. Okay. Like it's example, you're starting this podcast and someone's saying, like, I really don't like the format or I really don't like how the how the mm-hmm. conversation progresses. Like you two are gonna go back and brainstorm and you're gonna like talk about, well, this schmuck who just said this on this like on this on your Apple po- or, or your, your Apple podcast review, like should we really listen to them? When really who you should listen to is you two thinking what's best. Yeah. Or at least getting like a sample size. If you have 20 people saying the same thing, then yeah. that's a legitimate concern. But I think that you can really lose perspective when it comes to, again, sticking your neck in and trying to create something by allowing like too many outside voices. Like I vividly remember my first cocktail competition. I made the mistake of like asking every person in the re- – because I was like, I, my palate is a, is a 0.5 out of 10. But like my my chefs have really good palates and it, like I remember I asked like ten different people like to taste my cocktail and then like try this try that try that and I got ten different responses and I was like mm-hmm. I don't know how to approach this and all of a sudden I was just like you know what I'm not gonna listen to anybody I'm gonna do what I want to do mm-hmm. the only yeah. person's opinion that matters to me is my business partner like Adam said what I was doing was good so I was like great he has a way better palate than I do he's a better bartender than I am. And I was like, great, he likes it. And then all of a sudden that cocktail won and basically like vaulted me into what I'm doing now. Because but like everyone's always yeah. got an opinion and they always want to voice it to the people that want to listen to them talk. So yeah. true. That's why it's, and that's, and again, if you're creating something, you two are trying to mold, like, like rear this, this idea of a podcast. Like you just got to do what you, you just got to do you. Like you got to have a goal, have a vision and achieve that and not listen to this like white noise on the outside. Because you're just gonna you're let it influence you too much. That's what's gonna that's what's gonna make that thing authentically to you and, and separate from from the voices. Yeah. The, like, that, that's that's Mark. one of the things that like I'm admittedly like a big like geek. Like I love like Lord of the Rings and like yeah. you know what I mean. Like all these things. Like that's that's who I am, and that's one of the reasons like I throw stuff like that up all over Iron Man because it's like mm-hmm. part of me. 
Like mm-hmm. we didn't have a design team design a restaurant. Cause like I see them around now, like I walk into a nice restaurant that I know is designed by a company yeah. and I'm like, this restaurant looks really nice, but it also looks like every nice restaurant I've ever been in. I know. Like what you mean. all of the sconces match, all the lights match, mm-hmm. like all yeah. the patterns are beautiful, right angles. Like mm-hmm. when a place like Howie man, I'm also well aware that not everyone has the availability. Like we had, we had a really wonderful guy build this restaurant for us and we lend a lot of hands to do it and the space evolved immensely but it's like this space grew because like adam and myself were like or in dan and kayla were like look at this cool thing at like for example like look at this marquee song we found on kijiji do you think we can use it and then it's like i don't know maybe let's find out mm. as opposed to like figuring out be like oh yeah like someone on the internet said i can't like you guys should have a marquee and then like developing an idea that way I right. find that that's very easy because all of us are social animals and like for some whatever scale of zero to 10, right? Like we all kind of like thrive for social acceptance in some sure. form or another. But if you let that dictate what you're doing, and especially when you're creating something, it's going to be, you're just going to, you're just going to spit out the same thing everyone's done a million times. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're a copy of a copy. Like if you guys just do this podcast, like the way you've done, if you just are listening to a podcast that you both like, you both admire, and essentially you just like, you know what, I just want to do a carbon copy of that podcast. And you're talking, you're doing the same topics. And all of a sudden, who who's going to be the more successful podcast? It's just going to come down to probably who has a better production value. Like, do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And all of a sudden there's no unique element to either one of those things. So I think that's really important when anyone's creating anything is to kind of block out the white noise, have a goal and go achieve that goal and don't let people hamper you. Like you will posting workout videos, right? Like all these people are going to, and these people half the time you get up early in the morning, you're in the gym two times a day, you eat right. Like, you know what I mean? You hydrate the same interest. Like you guys bust your ass like all day long. And all of a sudden some guy who's sitting on his couch, like balancing his phone on his stomach Man. Who like has no gym is going to be like is making fun of you guys. Do you know what I mean? It's like if you allow those like those that dialogue out there because it exists with everybody. Like sure, I know sure. lots of people that evolve like that exist in the social world. And like if you allow those voices to affect you on like this personal level, even if you're the type of be the type of person that like is like yeah yeah I don't let that affect me. Like you know what I mean? That's all this white noise. And then you like go home and you're like lying in your bed secretly like scrolling. You're just like, you know what I mean? Like that's still going to affect you on a personal level. And like, I just don't do it at all. Like, that's so. you know what I mean? Like I don't even, I don't even manage our, like we have again, amazing staff and like someone else does all of our social media. Instagram and stuff. Yeah. Like I just don't even, like I just rarely go on it ever because like, I just need to keep this business as far as like, especially what people are saying about it at like arm's length, because I think that that's really important because you're just going to get bogged down and then all of a sudden you're just going to be continuously stressing about what you've created because you're so like caught up on what people think of your business. I always caveat every time I've said this, I've said this to people, I've said this to my regulars all the time. The moments people stop coming in my doors or I see a gigantic dip in business, I will become the person that goes online and reads reviews and actually takes what I'm saying, like what people are saying as constructive criticism. But like to this point, that hasn't happened. Knock on wood. But at the same time, like that's what's I has worked for me, especially like mentally. Like when I leave, I'm so confident in my staff here that when I leave every day, I'm like not worried at all, like gun to my head about how this place is doing because I'm so confident in my staff and the product that we're producing yeah. and the vibe that we produce. 
that like that's the number one thing that like allows me to sleep at night or even as a business owner times like this suck you might lose sleep now but it all comes down to like if you get again if people can say to my face that they love the experience here and then they go home and they're the type of person that will like blast like about something about a dish and that's their prerogative and then they're walking around Mm -hmm. as that type of person and i just can't concern myself and any advice to anyone starting anything, especially you guys with like this new idea of a podcast that's wonderful and that like I love, like you need to just not to put blinders on and just go pursue yeah. your goal and pursue that For dream. Sure. It's it's yeah. interesting you say that um, because two two reasons. Um, one that you touched on is hilarious because that's always been something that I've never been able to wrap my head around is when people are making fun of people in the gym that are it's crazy actually bettering yourself you know what I yeah. mean? whether it's like going to make fun of somebody for reading it's like walking yeah. by reading being like ha you're reading it's like how you're in the gym eating well like i've never it's something that's never um i've never understood but getting back to um what you were saying i, I honestly like i talked to tristan the other day about maybe maybe uh watching some some videos on podcasts or trying to like but essentially like we just jumped into this something we really i really want to do yeah and really um interested in doing we're just like let's do it this is kind of a blessing in disguise in terms of the time yeah and being able to grab grab somebody like you a a Mm -hmm. busy young business owner that's always always doing something i have you know i get 60 90 minutes with you which is like i'm blessed right because yeah you know a lot of people listening you open a business at 26 and you know you're i'm pretty sure you guys were highly rated correct in in the like you talked about it but what was what essentially yeah i mean our first year again like i i'm trying to keep things in perspective a little bit to be i can say all this rhetoric now as four years in that like i can block out the white noise and like my staff really good but like we were really lucky that we received an award um the funny irony of all of this is because I now exist in a world of food and drink. And as the three of us can attest to, like being an athlete, the majority of my life, like I didn't know how to cook. Like I did, but I didn't like, do you know what I mean? Like, um, so then I have, I basically like stepped off of like one ship of this, my existence in like food and or my existence as an athlete. And then like stepped into this world of food and beverage with these guys who've been like, Oh, like you played sports your entire life. Like I've cooked my entire life. Yeah, like I've right. never played a sport. Like, do you know what I mean? So I basically like had to become, it wasn't by any means because all these people are all wonderful, but you just have to relate to people in a different way. Sure. I personally equate that to in my success or whatever, whatever modicum of success I can do it as is, is to coaching because as a coach, you have to relate to. And as I say it again, all the time, connect. I have to be able to relate. I have to be able to connect and relate to one of my receivers who comes from who's silver spoon parents make a million dollars. This guy has everything, every opportunity in life. I have to be able to relate to him in the exact sense of the kid who like has grown up like in maybe even like a group home or like grown up in like social assistance his entire life. Like the one thing I love about sport is it brings those two people together. But me as a coach, I have to be able to relate to those two people and also like get my point across to them. So that can translate it for me personally into the world of food and drink. Mm. And going back to that award that we won, I just told that story previously because I had no idea of the impact and significance 
of this award that we won until essentially we were we won it and we were whisked away to like Toronto to accept this award. And what we won was essentially we were named uh, one of On Routes magazine. If you ever fly Air Canada, yeah, it's in Air Canada year. Um, it's essentially like a top 10 best new restaurants in Canada they put out every year. Uh, before we opened High Man, I didn't know it existed. I was there personally when the woman told me as a server that we were nominated. And I literally like left being like, oh yeah, cool. And I like walked back to the kitchen and told our team and they like lost their shit. Oh. I just like didn't understand the significance of it at all. Mm. And now that I did, now like literally like if you, you can, in Canada, you can name like every single restaurant of prominence in a city and they've either been on that list or have been nominated or made the short list. Like it's, it's quite a serious award and that allowed us and we won it within our first year. We were in McLean's top 100 restaurants, like period, not new restaurants. Um, and again, the reason why I say this is like, I didn't understand the significance of it because I just never existed within the, the like world of food and drink. Mm. Like I, like I started bartending and like, I'd never like had a Manhattan. Like I didn't have a proper martini. Right. Like, do you know what I mean? Like these things were all so new to me and they still are, they, but it uh... all comes back. It all comes back like wanting to be a goal-oriented person and just like achieving the next goal like mm -hmm. like i said like really last week i made a goal to learn how to make bread and i'm like right. this week i've achieved that goal it's just like that's the type of personality that i think is really important to anyone who wants to create something from scratch um but we all winning those two awards like i think it's just really important to, yeah put it out there that we won because it's, it'll, maybe it makes my life a little easier to sit here and be like block mm -hmm. out the white noise like yeah. my staff really wonderful because all of it's true but that's sort of definitely like vaulted us and made the tough times of like, I need to get my name out there. Like how can I creatively market my restaurant so people know we exist? Yeah. Cause like all of a sudden the, like, all of Canada and the United States knew we exist. Like all of a sudden I literally had people be like, I literally came to Halifax to eat at your restaurant. Wow. And I was like, Holy shit. Like I, I, I had people be like, I literally came off of the plane where I read about you and drove in a taxi to your restaurant. So, it's so interesting to hear that because, I mean, it, it now it's like hitting me. It's like, cause our, like we've known each other for so long, right? Not to say that I've not known Brendan my whole life, yeah. I, ha I have, but like I've heard that at Salty's before, but I don't think it like, it's never really hit me the way you just explained it to me because to me, it, like he's already been so successful that yeah. I kind of like, just like, I'm just like, okay, like, another yeah. person saying this to me who it's not my restaurant so it's like it's kind of like okay that's cool but like did you actually just like fly here from like you know portland or something yeah to, to eat at it's Salty's? like what and then hearing you say that it's like man i could only imagine how good that would feel to you yeah. to hear that from somebody and now i understand why brendan as an owner is always so like the first thing he wants to do to people that come from away to to eat there is like you know, do something nice for them or like send something Thanks out if like totally. uh, they might have a, a you know, because, you know, as a in the restaurant, like you might have something in just for a special or, or thinking about doing something and he'll, yeah. you know, he'll send it out to the table for free or just something like, you know, nice gestures because like you're saying, it's one of those things that you're like, holy, like kind of hits you like, man, like, thank I'm, you. Yeah, big time. The biggest thing I, I think, especially with that, like going back to like perspective a little bit is that like 
Highwayman to me personally is like it's it's my job. It's part of my like it's part of my life. But food and drink is not my life, and that's the thing. That's a really big thing that I and Brendan understand when it comes to people visiting this place and anywhere. Like this, like hand, like all these wonderful restaurants we have in Halifax is that like as a business owner, even though I might not travel to a city to go particularly to a restaurant or bar. People, yeah. Like I have to understand that some people do that and so a lot of people do that and they look forward to this experience like, like no other. They've been talking about with their friends. Yeah. They're like, they're happy to be here. They've been like talking about it, like on their social media, like all those things. Like, and that's really important to kind of nurture that experience with people. And again, that goes back to my point that I've experienced that so many times and that's so rewarding face to face that like, again, it's wonderful when people, like I really appreciate everyone and I hope my like earlier statements don't disparage the fact that like the people that have taken the time to like review our restaurant in a positive way, I really appreciate them. But it's like to me being in this space all the time, like I personally find it so much more rewarding, like having those like die that dialogue with customers that like I don't want to go home and be like on the on my on the, my phone all the time worrying about what's going on. Like I have to as a business owner, I have to set feel like I've set my staff up to succeed mm -hmm. enough that like when I leave here, I can't, I have to be like, that place is good. Mm -hmm. And like, I can't just, I can't just say that as rhetoric. I have to genuinely believe that. And I do like, yeah. I can't lie in bed and like lose sleep over what's going on here. And like, this is the same thing. I can't lose sleep over what's going on. And as Brendan can owning a business, especially a restaurant is not for the faint of heart. Like I'm not exaggerating that. Like even the most successful restaurants can operate on a very thin margin. Like right. you're closed for a little while. Like it's, it's almost irrelevant. Like no matter how much national exposure you have, the irony of all of that is the nicer the restaurant, the higher their food costs because they're giving you high quality food. Do you know what I mean? So right. it's, you be, it becomes this balancing act for a lot of spaces to basically like execute this level of service, have this level of quality of food and drink, yeah. and then somewhere in the middle, find ways to profit and like squeeze out like whatever margin you can that you can, as a business owner, exist in. Yeah, and the yeah. reality of whomever chooses to do that, yeah, there's some days where, like I said, your staff come first, your business comes first. Like, it's anything. Like, sometimes you can have the feeling of, like, being, like, like, these plates in the air and juggle all these different responsibilities. But that's kind of what you sign up for. And it just, like, again, like, you can't be losing sleep over that because there's enough tough times in owning a business that that's the reality. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. When you started Highwaymen, just quickly, um, I, did you guys open it mainly as a bar with kind of like? Did it? It definitely it evolved. Yeah. Like it's like. Oh, big, big you time. know what I mean? Because yeah. you talked about you in the bar industry, like that was mainly like obviously you working Cocktail. in a restaurant, right? you're around food, but yeah, like I hear you talk about yeah, I was. I was doing food, like I was making bar, I was going to, co I was going to competitions, like, and then yeah. now you're running a restaurant, like that's, that you know, hot, good the, food, not just the biggest, yeah. the biggest thing that, again, I can, I've had this conversation with people before, and that the one thing that I can equate it to, especially with like the athlete world, is that the biggest reason why, in my mind, that restaurants fail is ego, it's the same thing in sport. And I know we've all experienced it. Oh, man. And the so, biggest thing is that you opening a restaurant, understanding what you personally are good at and what you personally are not good at, 
and understand what is required to run a successful restaurant and taking a step back in hiring or partnering with people who fill the voids that you that your skill set cannot achieve. Me personally, I know nothing about food. I can't execute food service. I my knowledge of food is quite minimal. This is all when we opened High Man. Yeah. Right. Now let's say it's a little bit better. Um, <laughs> but you know, but Adam and myself were very aware of that, and we were also we were like we were very much going to open up like a much more casual cocktail bar. But the reality of opening a restaurant or bar at Halifax is you have to serve food. So that's why we approached Dan and Kayla, who owned Field Guide, to execute the food service, more or less. So that's sort of how that evolved. Um, but that being said, like one of the reasons why that I personally think that Highwayman runs relatively decent is because it appeals to people for many different reasons. It appeals to the people that want to come in and spend five, six hundred dollars on a gigantic meal with their friends and drink wine. It appeals to the guy who wants to come in and tuck in one martini at the bar. Like we make sourdough every morning. Like some people want to come in and drink a beer and crush a slice of bread and then like catch the bus. Like it appeals to some of these people. Like we have some wonderful customers who we love that treat this place almost like a living room. They just come and hang out with their friends. And like seeing you, it's kind of you have this chameleon, chameleon restaurant that you can kind of because again, your staff understand kind of. I'm not going to say my vision by any means because I personally think this space evolved as like a communal vision of our staff and our ownership. Um, but it's one of those things like you just want to create a space where people feel comfortable in as well as like our staff feel comfortable in to kind of be themselves. Like I, our staff dress the way, dress the way they want. And I teach our staff to like have a converse, have a genuine conversation with someone. Like I know that we've worked at places like, especially like I worked at the Bertozzi group restaurants where like shirt and tie and like right. you walk up to a table and you're like, Hello, hey, like my name's Michael. I'll be your server this evening. Like, here are our specials. Like, da 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 da. I'm like, that's great. Like, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's not the space that I personally wanted to embody because that's just not who I am. Mm. Like I said, like, I'm like, and Adam's the same way. Like, Adam's indoor soccer trophy sits at the top of our bar. It's mm. like, a, it's like a focal point. You know what I mean? Like, we have a bunch, of, like, we have like a Lego Highwayman statue, like, hidden amongst our stuff. Like stuff like that to me is way more genuine of who I am. And that's one of the reasons why I equate this business to being successful. Because again, like I've said before, it's not a copy of a copy of anything. Like it's yeah. Spanish food, which there's a lot of wonderful Spanish restaurants out there. So we have some similarities of food, but like what you experience when you walk into this place is quite genuine. And that's what I equate it to is because it's the staff that we hired. And it's basically like, we haven't taken a helicopter approach of parent of like parenting them at all. Like right. we just see ourselves as co-owners. Like I want my staff to feel as empowered to deal with a decision that like I would as well. And again, I'm saying all this and I'm like, about being like, this is a small space. I can allow myself to do that. But obviously this is a platform where you're asking me how I, I can accredit my success. And that's how highly man is successful to me. That's the reason. Not that's not every restaurant, but that's me personally. It's that, but all, all that goes into creating an atmosphere, which which you can argue going to a restaurant is all about an experience. Like, like you want to have a good time. So I love how you say our space is all yeah. these different kinds of atmospheres or environment yeah. for different people. Would you would that's, you yeah. would you equate 
the atmosphere in which you want to build to a culture and on a football team in terms of winning culture, like a, a winning atmosphere slash in the, in the restaurant in terms of kind of like you're saying, I want people to be open, just like in terms of like yeah. your restaurant culture and in, in your staff. Our restaurant culture is definitely how my own personal coaching philosophy, obviously, again, the irony of I keep saying these things is that like life hasn't been that hard for either Highwayman or Citadel football as we've won six championships in a row. Mm-hmm. So um, I would say like, it's more of my coaching mentality as well as how we approach business here. It's like the football mentality. If I was the head coach, it's like, it's the, it's the win for each other aspect that like, I'm much more of a player's coach where I try to build our like kids up to like want to win for each other and win for yeah. the program. And that like individualism is sort of stripped away because mm-hmm. as you know, like we, I've literally, I've literally watched coach Tanner who is one of my like big time role models, like bench our best player for an important game for the entire first half because he showed up 10 minutes late to a morning run at six in the morning. And it's like, you create this entire culture of like, win for each other like win for the man next to you and that's what's really important in sport and then translating that to the restaurant industry we share tips here even with our dishwasher so you have this dynamic of like there's no front of house back of house dynamic you have this like you have this again dynamic of essentially like sections go away they melt away and if sarah's tables are really busy bernadette will compensate and kind of bust some of her tables for her because like again you're playing for the person next to you. And that's what I can really, it's any team, it's any team dynamic, right? It's not, I'm saying yeah. restaurant football, but you can kind of build anything And business. Some businesses are run different, like differently. I mean, it's 2020. And nowadays, like I personally see it from a high school kid perspective that like kids are becoming more and more independent now. Like I've, like I've had kids on my football team that are like, Oh, like you have 50,000 Instagram followers, like at the age of 18, like you think you're the king of the world. Like, yeah. so kind of like, reeling that back in and it's just going to keep ballooning because of people generating like that little rush of dopamine and their sense of self-worth from the amount of followers they can amass on any social media platform becomes a little disjointed when it comes to the the real world and i think that you as a coach or business owner sort of have to understand that but at the same time not like nurture it and kind of strip away that a little bit in the sense that from a coaching perspective I don't care how popular I are on social media. I care how you perform again for the person next to you. Yeah. Like that's what's important. And really drilling that into the people who I'm coaching as well as our staff. Drill I don't have to do it at all here, but like that's sort of the whole concept is like you are working together for like this restaurant for the guys in the kitchen as hard as they're working for you. And I think that that's probably how I could see business transitioning. I know it's already doing that, but like I can't see business continuing the way it was in like the previous decades where you have like ceo who rains terror down on his staff like you know what i mean like fire and brimstone and then you're you're working your motivation to work is from fear of your superior like i just can't see that reality of executing a successful business continuing in the future and that's how i think we realizing that earlier on in your career is what's really going to see you successful it has to be like the other way, it can't be. It can't be a thing. Um, does uh, I, I'm kind of I'm, I'm I think for me, I I, I really want to ask. Um, do you see Highwaymen or Adam and Adam and Michael ever either opening a new restaurant or moving locations to expand at some point? Yeah, we. I mean, we have 
the answer is yes. Would never do another Highwayman because, again, I think it's the importance of like the copy of a copy thing. It's not okay. something I'd ever want to do. Um, we've definitely been a, a like, I can't get too far into it, but approached like by lots. I mean, we've we've seen Halifax. Yeah. Like you can assume almost every crane operator has wants a Highwayman in their in their in the bottom of their commercial, um, like their bottom floor, and that's to me, it's like. The reason, again, the biggest thing I can say the high man is successful is because of the space dictated the vibe, more or less. And that's way more important to us. Like, we don't sit around and sort of, we want to let things grow organically. And because that's important to us, the idea has to develop around the space Mm -hmm. rather than having an idea and then searching for a space that fits that idea. That's what it comes down to. Like, that's really, you got to be creative, I think. Like, I think... There's two different types of restaurants in the world very much, maybe three, maybe let's say bad restaurants is one, but then like the people pleasing restaurants where like, for example, like that's what I equate Bertozzi group to. Like it's not bad by any means, but like I worked at LaFrasca five years ago, I go and sit at that restaurant and get this. And I I literally like, I sat there the couple of weeks ago and I was like, I could still work here. Like the menu is the same. Mm -hmm. Just a few things have changed because I think people go to eat dinner for many different reasons familiarity and like familiarity and, and uh, like it being convenient is like a big motivating factor to go to dinner. And there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Right. Like for example, every time I go to dinner with my mom, she just looks for like, Oh yeah, I just want pasta with garlic and shrimp and like white wine sauce of some sort. I'm like, mm. that's because my mom just wants someone to make her food. And that's right. the, that's the mark of a lot of successful restaurants. And that's, that's wonderful. But where Highwayman fits into is this, I want to go and experience something different. Like I want to be introduced to something new and that's sort of what we fit into. I think we have lots of wonderful dishes on our menu that now seem old because they've been around since day one. But that to me is where we kind of grow creatively. And if, again, if I just made another copy of High Man, the inauthenticity behind that would just be a gaping hole. And I really don't think it would be successful again. So that being said, I mean, at this point I can't sit and say anything, but Hopefully, knocking on wood again, we have some some things down the pipeline that will be that'll be happening for us. So, man, that's Thanks, really. Sean. I, I love yeah. I like the way that you say build around the space. Not yeah, I think that's what's really. Uh, I just from us, that's, that's really important. Like we, yeah, like we have one of the biggest features of our restaurant, right? Where like is this exposed tin ceiling that I painted gold. Um, that's really like this big feature in our space. Every time you look up and that's the original tin ceiling from 1870 and the space that was occupied before us, like had a drop ceiling that covered it all. So we like stripped it all away. And that's sort of the thing that you have to walk into a space. When I think you're creating this new authentic piece of you, you have to walk into a space and be like, this is really cool. What could we do in here? As opposed to like, here's my restaurant laid out on a piece of paper by a design team. And now I have to like fit it in like a puzzle into the space that's provided to me. Um, so that's honestly why like yeah like like literally year one we had like multiple people be like can you please open up another space like here like especially we got after we got on route top 10 like we had like people from other cities asking us that mm-hmm. but like that being said we haven't done anything because just a space hasn't come across to us that like is something that we want but I mean now that the city's changing so much more spaces have become available so I mean hopefully hopefully can't answer that question directly, but yeah, yeah. maybe if you, if you have me back, we can talk again. 
yeah. we're definitely gonna have you back 100 percent. yeah yeah man tristan you have anything uh well uh hop hopper we uh we always end our uh our episode with a simple question because this is totfc podcast we like to ask our guests what does top of the food chain mean to you and how does it apply directly to your life okay i was gonna i was gonna yeah. ask before you before oh. tristan there do does is fitness do you still like as a former athlete and a business yeah. owner is that still part of your life like i know you, you big time out. yeah yeah, that's I, I literally still follow your the weight program that you sent me like last year. It's one of those yeah. things that if you're on your feet so much in the restaurant industry that, as you know, like that's sort of the funny irony of mm-hmm. people who are like blaming you on your social media for like bettering yourself. And because you're just creating this energy reservoir that the more you work out, the more your body can withstand. So therefore, like if you're in good physical fitness, like you're basically going to expel more energy while you work out. So when you're working your shift, which you expel a smaller amount of energy, you're going to be exactly like your body's adapt. It's not going to be as tired. You're going to sleep better. So absolutely. That's one of the reasons why I can push myself like long hours here and not be too run down is because that's the number one thing, like helps you sleep, helps your overall, like there's a lot of stress that goes on in the world of owning a business and helps let that eat away at you. It's like everything. That's one of the things like I, I'm also so aware again, like, I've transitioned to this role of like this in this food world where the three of us can walk into like the dungeon at St. FX and be like, this is, this is home. Like, I love this. Like Mm. I want to work out in a gym where if I cut myself on a weight, I got to go to get a tetanus shot. You know what I mean? Like, but (laughs) holy shit. I'm also, yeah, exactly. Like I, I am, I employ like, like females, for example, where like they're NASCAD students and that's like the last place on earth they'd want to be. So I think that, fitness in general is something that's very important, but not for everybody, but being active is for everybody. Mm-hmm. It's like a lot of my staff like do bouldering at seven days, which is great. Yeah. And as long as you're moving your body yeah. and being active and whether that be yoga, like Pilates, just, just sure. running, like mm-hmm. even just getting outside and walking, like whatever form that you choose to exercise in or playing pickup hockey, even like, I think yeah. that's so important to kind of reset your brain and also like reset your body to not just being like, Cause long, there's long hours in restaurants, right? Mm. You gotta be like switched on mentally. Like you gotta be as excited for that person that comes in first, the first person in when you open service to the last person yeah. and having that mental ability to kind of keep on that even keel is something that I can absolutely equate personally to my successes as, as being in the restaurant or as being a former athlete and still sure. being active. Cause that's what's number one thing that's most important. Energizing. Uh, but I mean, uh, to answer your question, like okay. the, your, the whole, crux of your podcast of what is the top of the food chain and you're like i love like the obvious answer to me personally is just being a goal oriented like goal oriented human being whether that doesn't matter whatever that is whether that be reading a book setting a goal in the beginning of the year to be like i'm going to try to read a book a month and actually achieving that because the reality of being a human being like being a person that holds yourself to account mm-hmm. like we're all adults here you know what i mean if you set a goal that's like i'm going to read a book a month and then you don't like you have no one to blame but yourself, but also you should be the type of person that doesn't need motivation from an exterior force, like your significant other to be like, did you read today? Like mm-hmm. that's what to me is having that drive to achieve that goal that you set out. But that's to me is the most obvious answer of being mm-hmm. part of the top of the food chain. But if you want my more like subtle answer, I would say is 
being top of the food chain more or less means to me is having the attitude as well as the confidence in yourself goes back to what I was talking about the kitchen is to be a sponge at all times to whatever you're doing to have the confidence in yourself to be like, I don't know everything about this particular thing. Like approaching something as simplistic as like drinking coffee and being like, I want to like teach me more person, like reaching out to people, having the confidence in yourself to be like, I'm confident who I am, but I always want to learn more. And having that mental ability to do that to me, like that's your own personal top of the food chain. Because again, like ego will kill all of us. Yeah. But checking that at the door and always being a person that wants to learn and also is not being afraid to fail. And also potentially like having this path. Like I had my path laid out for me when I was 19. Like this is what I was going to do like 100%. And I've taken like, yeah, I've taken the door stage left like twice now, not knowing where I would end up. And I'm really grateful that even just in the decade of my 20s, I've done so many different things and seen all these successes. But the reason why I personally will like say that I'm successful in both of those fields, whether that being playing football overseas mm-hmm. to opening a restaurant is because I'm always asking questions and wanting to learn more. And I think that's personally if you ask me what top of food chain means to me, that's what it means to me. It's again, having the confidence in yourself to understand that you don't know everything and approaching any situation to be that sponge and asking questions, like being in the gym and like, you know what I mean? Like talking with one another, if you two are working out mm-hmm. and like, will sees Tristan's form a little like off is like, will having the confidence to be like, not, you know what I mean? Like not be that guy, but also like, you being confident in yourself to be like absorbing that information mm-hmm. and like also like wanting to, or like even going back to Will and being like, yo man, like how is my form that set? For sure. I yeah. think that's a huge difference that we see all the time in, in football and basketball and sport, but you can equate that to business as well. Whereas like you being way too stubborn to outsource information or knowledge, mm-hmm. that's like the number one killer of all business in my mind. Mm-hmm. And that's, again, if you ask me what that means to me, it's just a mindset that, again, you be the sponge, always be searching for more knowledge. Yeah. And that's the number one thing that I can personally equate to this business in my entire, basically my 20s in my professional career. I love it, man. It, it just, at the end of the day, it just comes back to self-awareness and having the ability to have this conversation for the past 90 minutes with you really opened up uh, to me just how self-aware you are and, and how that's equated to the, your success. Um, it's fun for me because as someone who just turned 23, I'm just kind of starting this decade yeah. of building my tools, as you say, yeah. and to kind of hear your story and your path, to see that it's not a straight path and you may take a uh, 180 three times. It's yeah. having the ability to say yes because of that drive to want to learn. Exactly. Right? So it, this has been very, very inspiring yeah. for me just to hear your story and kind of uh set my my own journey up so i just want to thank you for that don't be afraid of the unknown like seriously as as cheesy as that line sounds but it really it's really true like you can't be afraid you can't some with some things you can't be what if because that way you'll never you know what i mean like you guys can't start this podcast off not this one in particular but this entire idea with the with the mentality of being like what if no one listens to it you guys have to approach it with being like we're doing this because we want to do it and if people listen to it that's great like I want to have some like yeah. honest conversations with people, yeah. hear their stories. And I think because I'm interested in that, mm-hmm. I'm going to hope that people are too. Mm-hmm. 
I've, so like I, if you're okay, yeah. yeah, I've said it from the start. Like, this is more selfish of me to be able to have real conversations with interesting people. It's been more beneficial for me. And like you said, if someone, like, if they listen, that's just an added, added benefit, right? Yeah, man, keep, you two, keep pushing this. Like, yeah. honestly, like, I respect the hell out of both of you. Like, both your drive. If you can even translate a little bit of what both you guys do in the gym to this podcast, mm-hmm. it'll be successful. Mm-hmm. And just, like, keep going at it keep developing it and if you see some positive return in it then like keep mm-hmm. pushing it yeah like, oh, keep inc- improving the format like you know what i mean all those fun things so much positive return i mean if you think about it like you're saying what you said is being a sponge correct so i mean for me Absolutely. the way i look at the podcast is i'm listening to you know a lot of exceptional successful strong-minded individuals from all over halifax or yeah. canada and eventually in the states and I'm, I'm getting to learn kind of, that's always something for me that I've always kind of throughout basketball and sport, I've always tried to look at things that other people or players did well. And yeah, think, me too, hundred percent. I, I want to be able to do that. I'm going to watch this. And then yeah. talking to you, talking to uh, a Shelby or talking to a T-Bear or, or um, Joanna from, from X, like, okay, how do they do this? Or how are they so successful? How do they, how do they block this out or whatever? And then that, for me, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm being a sponge, but I'm also getting to ask some questions. Totally, yeah. So just like you said, man, like for me, that's what this is about. And I think, like you said, um, people listening, they should really, they should tune in because, you know, not just the other people, but for example, this, this uh, episode, uh, you're an exceptional, not only business, business mind and, and man, but you're, you know, you're a great human being. And, mm. um, Again, we always talk about that. Like, I I love how you talked about your staff so much on this. Like, we're asking you direct questions about you. Mm. You're 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 answering via your staff. You know what I mean? You're not saying I do everything. I like you know what I mean. And I love that because we talked about the food chain is about you know pulling people up and helping them reach you know what is deemed the top for them, right? Big time, yeah. And for you, I don't even I don't. Who knows? You might. couldn't have scratched the surface yet like you know what i mean like you've become a very successful you know business right now but who knows where top is for for popper and and uh adam and your business so i'm man i'm so excited this 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 podcast made me really want to go down there and and get my beef (laughs) fire the best beef (laughs) thanks man and some of the you might have to wait a little while for that though i know (laughs) some of the the greatest uh cocktails um I'm gonna I'm gonna end end this with uh, what's your favorite? If you could pick one ingredient, yeah, to use in any cocktail, what would it be? Oh, Angostura for sure. And what is that for the viewers? I'll give you I'll give you some cocktail tips right here, people who are listening. Yes, let's go. Yeah. All right, you're ever at home? Brown spirit, anything. So brown spirit being like whiskey, rye, bourbon, anything like that. I know you, we've seen it all kicking around. Anything like that, other than maybe single malt whiskey, Angostura and brown spirit, even Angostura and rum, it's like salt and pepper. That's what I'll say. Uh-huh. Everyone should have a bottle of Angostura bitters. Buy it at the grocery store. It's like between anywhere between ten and twelve bucks. Have it in your have it in your uh, your your cabinet or whatever you leave, wherever you have your alcohol. Use it like salt and pepper. Nice. It's like season. Things. It's seasoning. Interesting. And the biggest thing that, again, I'll give you one tip that's behind the bar. Everyone use Angostura like, like salt and pepper. 
And the biggest thing from the kitchen that none of us do, that restaurants do, while the food tastes good, is every time you think you've used enough salt, put more in it. Yeah, <laughs> it's true, man. But but buy good salt. Don't buy don't buy terrible salt. That's that's the that's the key to good food at restaurants. Lots of butter and lots of salt. Obviously, <laughs> yeah. this is a health this is a healthy podcast, so we'll, yeah. we'll omit the we'll omit the butter. But I'm saying like always yeah. more salt. But if you're making a cocktail, always put more Angostura in there. It's the same concept. That's that's my that's how I make drinks at home. My favorite thing to drink if I'm drinking a cocktail, I drink martinis because the more I've grown as a bartender, the more I've leaned into appreciating the spirit as is. Like I can take three bottles of alcohol and manipulate those spirits to taste like something I want it to taste like. Yeah, but when I drink something like a single malt whiskey that sat in a barrel in Isle of Scotland for 16 years, like I want to taste that like appreciate that appreciation I have for that craft. And that's to me, if I ever drink at home, like I don't really drink cocktails. I mean, I don't really drink a lot e- anyway, but I basically own like I, that's basically all I drink is, is whiskey. And if I'm at a bar, I'll drink martinis just with the same concept. I like drinking, I like tasting what the spirit tastes like and I'll drink like nicer stuff. So See, that's an appreciation for sure. Yeah, I mean it's the same concept, but like at the same, it's also easy. Like you know what I mean? Like some like I don't drink a lot of beer, but it's the same concept as like most bartenders will just drink beer because like that's all they want when it comes down to it. It's like if you think most, I think chefs at like Eleven Madison Park are going home and like cooking foie gras for themselves or like duck confit, like you're you're absolutely wrong. Like mm-hmm. those chefs are going, those chefs at some of the best restaurants in the world are going like around the corner to like the greasy spoon. And eating yes. like a burger and fries because they just spend their entire existence around premium insert anything, and they want to escape that a little bit and go back to what they just what they love, which is simple because that's what probably yeah. got them into cooking. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like an appreciation for something simplistic. So that's sort of how I've also progressed as a bartender. Where like, yeah, maybe I'm drinking like a fifteen dollar glass of scotch, but it's just like mm-hmm. pour it in a glass and give it to me. Like that's all I want. That's nice so, also really too, fam- famous grouse is also great. Hey, man, really? That's right. That's those are two. Those oh. are my two bar. That's my bar tip, and then my kitchen tip. But they're basically the same tip. I love it. I never it's thought like, of that. Seasoning, seasoning, always add more. Like all those shows you might see. Like I've watched people like Don Draper and Mad Men making old fashions. Like actually, I just watched my girlfriend made me watch um, some movie where Ryan or Ryan Gosling was making old fashioned. He put like two drops of Angostura in there, and I was like, "Nope, <laughs> more." Yeah, that's more. my tip. It'll I taste better, think. I promise. It's it's seasoning, it's salt and pepper. It'll be better. Love yeah. it. Awesome. All right, All right. Guys, well, that's proud of both what you're doing. Yeah. Proud of you. Keep, keep, eleven. Keep inspiring young young uh, business minds and and people you know that aren't don't, aren't uh, you know oh this is the perfect time or you know what I mean. It's it's really it's people need to hear that you know you can you can uh, bet on yourself and believe in yourself and come through. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't need uh, to wait until you're 35 or 40 to start. Absolutely, a business, so. exactly. It's I great. love it. Just take sometimes it's taking the leap, but also yeah, at the end of the day, you're betting on yourself. So if you have confidence in doing that, then I don't know. I'm sitting there, I'm sitting from the position where I did that, so I'm gonna say maybe leap, yeah. but. That's right. Maybe that's not for everybody, but just right. sometimes you got to do it. So thank you guys for giving all of us a platform to tell our story and just understand that we all appreciate you two sticking your necks out there and doing this. And yeah. we love both of you and keep it going because it's a great thing. Can't Much wait to have you on there. Much uh, love.
the in the following uh, se semester or year or whatever when you open that new restaurant. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll send you guys the invite. All right, talk to you guys. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in to TOTFC podcast. If you liked it and you want to hear more, please share it with a friend, a family member, a teammate, or anybody. Like the video, consider subscribing to TOTFC podcast.